we're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Welcome everybody to Redemption Church in Plano, Texas. So glad that you're here. My name is Chris Blewett and I'm here to share the Word of God with you. Thank you everybody joining us online. Of course, everybody in the room, we are so glad that you are here also. We have put a pause on our Vibe Check series. We're going to come back to that in November. I've got something to give you today. And then this next month, we're going to do a spooky sermon series. It's called Scary Words. Scary Words. We're going to look at the scariest words in your Bible, like single words. We're going to build entire sermons over these scary words that are in your Bible, words that a lot of people are too afraid to even say in church, but we're going to say those words in church. We want you to be a part of it. Absolutely. Today, however, I'd like to do more than preach to you. I would like, I, my, my heart is this, that, that I would like us to all fall into deeper amazement with God. If you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to turn to Psalm 139. I really recommend opening up your Bible app or your book with pages called the Bible and go turn to Psalm 139. We, we have an amazing God, don't we? Yes, yeah. We better never lose sight of just how amazing he is and we ought to just fall deeper and deeper in love with this amazing God. Say amen if that's true. We are looking at Psalm chapter 139. We're going to begin at verse 1. If somebody's there, say yeah. Yeah. Hey, they're there. I like it. Psalm 139 verse 1. And we're reading, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Verse 3, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Verse 4, before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. I want to title this sermon today, too wonderful. Can you say too wonderful? Too wonderful. The ways of God are too wonderful. Amen. They're too wonderful for me. The ways of God are too lofty. Lofty, lo- too lofty to attain. What does wonderful mean? Wonderful means to elicit wonder. It means that it's actually filled with wondrous thought. You know what it looks, what it feels like to have wonder over something? When a kid looks at a little gadget and wonders, how in the world does that work? I remember one of the first times I ever felt wonder in my life. I, I went to an airport, and they had moving conveyor belts. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it is the Jetsons. We have finally arrived. Flying cars are near. Space leaks rockets are nearby. But it just... You're on this thing, and I'm, I'm just, everyone else is just like, ho-hum, this is just normal for them. But I'm like, we're moving. I'm just standing, but we're moving. Just filled with the wonder of those things. As a kid, you, you're just filled with wonder. And as you grow as an adult, you have to be really careful not to lose that sense of wonder. 
that sense of awe, that sense of just joy over what's happening right now. Does God, I wonder, fill you with wonder? Be, be, be real about that today. Does God fill you with such wonder? Does God cause your mouth to just gape open? Ah, look at this. Look at this. It's God. What we felt today, does it fill you with wonder? Are we just going through the motions? If we're not careful, we will yawn through a church service where we talk about the creator of the universe. We need to be filled with wonder. So I just want to talk to you today, not from your Bible, but from things that just make me wonder. Will you receive that today? Well, we got to start with plants, right? If you know me, I like plants. And some of the things that really amaze me are seeds. Seeds. Uh, there are all kinds of seeds. And have you ever stopped to think about seeds? You have a seed and it will turn into an entire tree. Think about that. Something so small. Something so small as a seed has such big life potential in it. And you might just bypass that. No, that's a major thing. In fact, that's one of the things that Jesus teaches about. He teaches that your faith needs to be like a seed. Something so small but has such life potential in it. A single seed is enough to produce a huge tree. But not only that, a single seed has enough life inside to produce a forest of trees. One little seed is more than what it is. It's got an entire forest of life living in it. And I believe that's how God sees us too. God doesn't just see you. He sees all the life that could be inside of us. Of course, we know that the word of God is a seed. I want to tell you today that what we're preaching today is more than just words, more than filler, more than blah, blah, blah. Now we pray and now we go home. No, what we're preaching today has life in it, life beyond this moment. For the rest of your life, you can receive eternal life from the word that is preached today. I believe that with all my heart. God created plants to give off seed. And he does it after their kind in Genesis 1. And still today, nobody's been able to disprove this. A tomato seed brings forth what? A tomato. An apple seed brings forth a apple tree. A watermelon brings forth a watermelon vine. On and on. Since Genesis 1, God has set it up this way. He he used a plant. It produces after its kind. The seed produces after its kind. And seeds are pretty neat. Every kid is amazed by a dandelion. Do you know what a dandelion is? Dandelion is a seed that flies. God creates seeds that fly. How do they get where they're going? They just, they float. The wind carries them away. And sometimes you pick up that dandelion and you help it on its way when you make a wish and you blow and poof, all these little pieces of seed are flying away. Seeds that fly. Cottonwood tree creates seeds that fly. Cattails. And there's this bad weed I have trouble getting rid of called a milkweed. And it will produce these Flying seeds. They're seeds that fly. There's also wing seeds. They, they, they kind of spin like a helicopter. You got a pine tree, right? And a pine tree drops a pine 
cone. And it's this hard little uh, seed pod. Inside a pine cone are seeds. Now, if the seed just fell straight from the pine cone down to the base of the tree, everything that tried to grow there would die because it wouldn't get enough light. There's a big pine tree on it blocking it from all the sun. And all the nutrient of the little sapling that would try to grow up, the mother tree would take all of the the, the nutrient away so nothing could grow if it just landed right there. So what happens instead? It drops a pine cone. The pine cone falls to the ground. It might roll around. It might get kicked around. But at some point, that pine cone deteriorates. And outside of the pine cone are these winged seeds, seeds with wings. And they're light enough that the wind will take them and they will blow them and they will scatter them from the mother tree to give them a chance to reproduce. Winged seeds. What did it make? We have flying seeds. We have winged seeds. What kind of God would create such an amazing thing? I want to tell you today, I think it's too wonderful, His creation. There are exploding seeds. There are seed pods that actually explode when the time is right. They just go pop and it it projects the seed out from it. There are adhesive seeds. Sometimes you'll walk around and there are seeds that have like an adhesiveness to a glue type, a temporary glue. And it will get on your foot, it will get on your shoe, and you'll walk along and it it will decide when the time is right. Oh, now... I'm going to let go and I will, I will drop to the ground somewhere new and I will propagate that way. A little temporary glue. What an amazing thing. And then there's hitchhiker seeds. I am pretty sure you know about this devil's device. Sticker seeds, right? That's what we call those sticker seeds. I was out in the hill country the other day at a, at a family reunion and I had these uh, flip-flops on. And I'm just walking across this little this little pasture, right? It's, it's not even a large area. I just walk and I, I, I get past it and Hudson says, Dad, look at the bottom of your foot. And I just look at the bottom. It is completely covered with these guys. Completely covered. Thank the Lord for flip-flops, right? They were just completely covered right there. You know what the purpose of of these is, right? They just hitchhike. They take a ride so that you will, you'll go, what is that? And you'll go, and what you just did, you just planted. And you said, you said you weren't a farmer, but you just went, think, and now now you planted a tree. You planted a little thistle thing, a little little hitchhiking seed. (laughs) One of the more amazing seeds ever, you don't even think about it as a seed, but it is the coconut husk. Everyone say coconut. coconut. You put the lime and the coconut. You drink, you put them both together, right? No, wait. You know what coconuts actually are? They're floating seeds. And the coconut has taken over the South Pacific. The coconut will fall to the ground and then a storm will carry the coconut to the ocean. What looks like a hurricane, they go, this is terrible. The coconut tree's not worried about it. It's like, this is great. I've been looking for a way to get the seed to another island. And that that coconut seed will end up in the ocean and it'll just bob along. It'll just float along. The seed floats. And it will carry it to a brand new island. And upon landing on the new island, the coconut seed will then propagate itself. In fact, built inside the coconut is coconut water. 
And so while it cracks open and it propagates its own seed, it even provides its own water to build the, the root system to give it enough time to go down and find its own water source. It, it, it's God, God created that. Yeah. God created that, and it's pretty neat. He even created seeds with their own water inside. They water themselves. I need that kind of plant. How could God put so much care and creative ingenuity in something so small as a seed? I want to tell you that God spares no ingenuity. He, he, he just, he, even the small things that you and I walk past, don't think about. God looks at and he puts his creative power into it. He puts his passion into it. And I would tell you that even something so small as a seed is too wonderful for me. The knowledge and the care of that engineering God. It's too wonderful. How about animals? Anybody like animals? I really like animals. I could spend way too long here. So I've got one example. I narrowed it down to one example. It's called the Colea bird. Everyone say Colea. It's a neat little bird right here. Uh, where does this bird live? This bird lives anywhere between Alaska and Hawaii. It lives, it's got dual citizenship here. It, it lives in, in Alaska and Hawaii. And it travels a 3,000 mile trek across the Pacific Ocean from Alaska to Hawaii every year. I want to ask you this how does it not get lost? PA, you know what it's like to be out on a cruise liner and you look around, you look to the north, you look to the south, to the east and west, and all you see is water. And you're like, I hope they know where they're going. But now we've got this little bird, right? Bird. Little bird brain in this little creature with wings. And you, I wonder, how does it not get lost? Some people think that they can sense the magnetic pulls of the earth. And really smart scientists have hypothesized that maybe they're able somehow to tell, well, this is north and this south, and that gets them to where they're going. I like that idea, but I'm going to share with you in a little bit how that still doesn't answer it. Lucky birds spend the summer in Alaska, and then they spend the winter in Hawaii. I want to be like the Colea bird one day. It's pretty interesting. It lays its eggs in Alaska. So it flies from Hawaii to Alaska and it lays its eggs. And then the parent birds watch the eggs hatch and they go, hey kids, really good to meet you. We're going back to Hawaii. And so they leave these baby birds in Alaska and the mother and the daddy bird, they fly back to Hawaii. And when the younglings are strong enough, they also fly to Hawaii. But wait, they have never been to Hawaii. I don't, they have, we have never found evidence that the mother and the daddy bird left behind a little post-it note that said, you want to go to this heading and this latitude and longitude, and then you'll get there. 
without knowing which way to go. Okay, this is where, okay, they've got the magnetic poles and everything. They're, they're able to sense that. But that doesn't tell them where to go. That doesn't tell them they need to go to Hawaii. They just know something is placed inside them that they just know. And I think that's really amazing. And these birds, sometimes they fly through storms right in the middle of the ocean. The craziest storms are out there in the middle of the ocean. There's nothing to slow a storm down. They actually just grow in power when they're out there on the storms. And those birds on this trek of 3,000 miles, how do they know where they're going? We don't know. They fly right through a storm. The storm beats them down. The storm throws them off their heading. But yet, they're able to course correct and find their destination. Science thinks the birds can sense those magnetic poles, but it still doesn't answer how, how children birds can find their way without ever having been there in the first place. Bird brains are pretty amazing. Next time somebody calls you a bird brain, you tell them thank you very much. All the fascinating creatures on our planet remind me of a creator whose knowledge is too wonderful. You, you don't even, we don't even quite understand it, Lord. If you took a cup of water and you went to a pond and you just dipped that cup in the pond, you'd look inside that water and you wouldn't see anything. But if you take that same cup to a microscope, you will see what the human eye can't see and what, what, what a human eye couldn't detect and under that microscope, you'll see that there's a lot of life in that cup of water. It's actually teeming with life. And even while you're looking at it, it's living and duplicating itself. And what looks like nothing is actually amazing. God doesn't, God doesn't miss an opportunity to put amazement within his creation. Even at the smallest microscopic level we're talking at a level that makes seeds look huge even at that level the great god of the universe has authored life he's authored life at every level imaginable lord your knowledge it is too wonderful for me what about space the final frontier i can who heard the star trek Theme song. Perhaps you know this planet. We labeled it in case you didn't. Courtney. This planet. It's an important planet. It's called Earth, right? Everybody see Earth here? That's our planet. We live there. All right. Let's compare our planet within our solar system here. Here we see Earth compared. Our next picture is our solar system. Here we see Earth compared within the other planets in its solar system Pluto, is it, is it or is it not? We don't know. We, we kept Pluto off this slide here because we hate Pluto. I don't know. But right here we have, anybody see Earth? Here's Earth. Here's its moon. Compared in its solar system, it's, it's a pretty nice size. But then you get, I mean, you get to Saturn and Jupiter. Saturn and Jupiter is so much bigger than our planet. It's amazing. It's huge. So there it's compared within the solar system. 
But then the largest part of our solar system is what? The sun. Let's see that. Now look, compare that. Squint. Squint. Can you find earth on this? Can you, can you see? Lillian, can you see earth? You see it right here? It's right there. That little dot. I can see my home from here. You see that? That's earth. Called the third rock from the sun. Will has this joke he tells every once in a while. You've probably heard it already. Earth is the third planet from the sun. So we're all third world nations. There it is. You can't even see the first and second planet. But there's earth. And there's our sun. That's amazing. There's something just complex about all this. Surely nothing could be bigger than the sun, right? Oh, there's plenty bigger than the sun. Let's look at this one. Pollux. Here's Sirius. Here's a star we found. And there's Pollux. That is a crazy, huge star. And then you saw where our sun is in comparison. And Earth at this moment is the size of a pixel on this picture. The size of a small little picture. Pixel. That's what Earth is in comparison to a star called Pollux. That's the star we found. We know where that is. And God put wonderful creation, not just here, but everywhere. The stars Sirius and Pollux make the sun look small, and now the earth, it's just infinitesimal. It looks inconsequential. Looking at this picture, you go, oh, that's nothing. Oh, no, it's not. Nothing is nothing to God. He put wonderful life on that little pixel right there. And we're sitting in an air-conditioned service with string lights and a guy talking. And we're breathing. And we're thinking about the beauty and the majesty of this God who is too... Wonderful. As you lift your eyes above, you realize that the heavens declare, what does it say? The glory of God. And we realize that he is too wonderful. In in 2003, the Hubble telescope found a square out on the horizon. There, see this little green square? It's up there. Can everybody say yes if you see it? See yeah. that? This, they, they, they spotted an area where it looked like there was nothing. Aha, there's nothing right there. There's this little square. And so in 2003, the Hubble telescope focused its entire attention on a seemingly black space in the night sky. And for four months, the Hubble telescope took in all the light information it could receive from this blank piece of heavenly canvas. And after four months, here is what lied within that blank space. That's the light they were able to take in. That's the little square that was nothing. 
When we looked further, we found out that God creates nothing to be nothing. Even though we couldn't see it, Kathy, there is amazement beyond what we can see. What you're seeing right now is not planets. Listen, what you're seeing right now is not planets, but galaxies filled with planets. What had appeared blank, what seemed like an overlooked square in God's creation, were actually galaxies filled with wonder yet to be explored. Go a little further, it tells us this, that each dot is a galaxy. That each galaxy contains up to one trillion stars. You know what a trillion is? It's one followed by 12 zeros. Each galaxy, each dot on this slide is a galaxy that could contain up to a trillion stars. And each star could have its own solar system of planets. All in a little seemingly Blank square. There are over 10,000 galaxies in this picture. Creator God, your ways are too wonderful. Now listen, is there a blank space in your life that you don't see God's handiwork? Let me tell you, look again. Because God creates nothing to be nothing. And even in those areas where you don't think he's working, he's already working. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. We sing that all the time. Do we really believe it? Oh, I'm speaking today to the wonderful, to the two wonderful God who created that in our universe. I'm telling you, he wants to do that in your relationships. He wants to do that in your home. He wants to do that in your calling. He wants to do that in this church. He wants to do that in you who, who agrees, who believes it. Lord, you are too wonderful. Somebody say too wonderful. Too wonderful. How about the human body? Now, I am not equipped really to talk about this. I have a human body, but I am no scientist. I will try not to embarrass my scientist wife with the preceding comment. But have you ever thought about your ears and your eyes? Those are two things that just amaze me. Your eyes and your ears. Your eyes take in light and your brain receives that information. Okay? So your eyes open up and there's, there's some kind of jelly back there and it's like a mirror type situation and it like receives in this light and then it sends that information. What that information looks like, I don't even know. What would that information look like? But it, there's information. It goes from here to right here in your brain. And your brain is the one that's actually telling you what you're seeing. You're like, what are you seeing? Your brain's about to tell you. There it is. You're seeing a church. That's what you're seeing. You're seeing a cat. You're seeing, you're seeing beauty. Everything that we've shown you today, your eyes took in that information. Your brain said, oh, yeah, that's what that is. And your ears are, are very much the same. Your ears take in differences in sound and air pressure. And there's these 
there's these sound waves and somehow it goes into this ear and it goes into what's called an eardrum and that sound wave goes right into that eardrum and then that eardrum goes, oh, that's really good information. Let me send that to your brain. And your brain receives that and says, oh man, I love this song. What's just a, a sound wave? You can't do much with the sound wave, but your brain receives that information somehow from your eardrum. And speakers always blow me away. It really is wild. You speak into this microphone right here, and you speak that sound wave into that, and that microphone converts it to an electric signal and sends it to there where it's converted back, and it goes into a speaker, and that speaker moves like this, like a large diaphragm, and it recreates the sound wave that you put into the microphone. And this blows me away still today. I used to think about that as a kid. Just how is that even possible? We're talking a piece of cardboard. A lot of speakers are just pieces of cardboard that just vibrate at a certain speed. Hello, how are you today? And it sends that out and it replicates that sound wave. Your ear hears it goes, yep, that's the same sound. How does that work? I don't know. God created it. God's behind it. All of your senses are amazing. Touch, smell, and taste are the other ones we could talk about. And without these senses, we couldn't even experience the world. To, to lose one of those senses is a really difficult thing. Anyone that loses that sense, you immediately feel sorry for them. Someone who, who, who loses their eyesight. They, they lose their sense of hearing, they're, they're deaf. Any of these senses, it really hurts us because we understand God gave us these senses and help us experience the world. But even when someone loses that sense, the other senses like become amplified. And they become like superhuman powers where they can hear things, see things, experience things. It's just amazing to me. You don't have to pay for any of these abilities. Nobody here paid for the ability to see. I would tell you that that ability is worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. But you don't have to pay for it. You got it. Some of us have to go get a little bit of help. Get some glasses. But you didn't have to pay for that ability to see. Are you thankful for that ability to see today? Are you thankful for the ability to hear and to touch and to taste and to smell? Why do you have these abilities? Because God gave them to you. He wants you to enjoy them. He wants you to be blown away by them. Are we still blown away by them? You're not able to replicate these abilities. They've done their best in science to replicate these abilities, but we can't. We can't quite. Science has been able to do a lot, but we aren't able to replicate smell, which is why smell-o-vision has never been a thing yet. It's not a thing yet. I would tell you that such knowledge is too wonderful for me. This one came straight from Sarah. I'm so sorry I butcher it in advance. I'm so sorry, Sarah. You're just in time for me to butcher one of the things you find really interesting. Take a moment to think about how you eat and you see, receive nutrient. If you don't receive nutrient, you're in trouble. 
Recently, one of our sons had trouble receiving nutrient. It put us in the hospital for three weeks. It was really a very, uh, very dangerous time. Four weeks. It was a really, it was a tough situation. Re- nutrients, one of those wonderful things that you don't think about until you, you can't receive it. You eat the food, and the, the food moves down to your intestines. And there is, in your intestine, like a double lining membrane to your intestines. And it's really important, this lining, because it keeps waste from entering your body. If waste enters your body, that's really bad news. The waste, if the waste is not contained in your colon, that's when you become septic. That's when people die very quickly. And so you're eating. You've actually got something inside of you that can kill you very quickly. But your intestines, they're going, nope, we got this under control. And your intestine acts as a barrier and at the same time also allows the nutrient within the waste to be absorbed. So at one way, the the intestine's like a wall that says, nope, you can't go any further. But in another way, your intestine's like a door saying, yeah, we'll take some of that phosphorus. Yeah, we'll take some of that magnesium. You got any potassium in there? We need some of that. And it will carry the nutrient through the wall of the intestine. Your intestine then is like a gatekeeper that says no to what is harmful and yes to what your body needs to thrive. Who ate today? Who thought about their intestine today? No, and most of y'all are like, it's weird. Can you stop saying intestine? colon it's a weird thing to talk about but it's wonderful and you couldn't live without it and there are these proteins in your intestines that act as a doorway a protein somehow acts as a doorway for these nutrients proteins that allow nutrient to be absorbed into your body through an impenetrable wall called an intestine and should, here's the other thing. So now, that's your intestine not letting things out. But guess what? Should your body need to get rid of excess nutrient? Let's say you have too much sodium in your body. And that could be dangerous. Too much sodium at a high level, that could kill you very quickly. Guess what? It can access the intestine, intestine through these proteins, and it will send the excess nutrient in your body, out of your body. So it goes both ways. That intestine will keep all the waste secure. It will allow good nutrient out, and it will allow excess nutrient in. How does it do it? I really don't know. I don't get it. That is too amazing for me. It's too lofty for me to attain. Every time you eat a meal, your body is at work. In these highly technical ways. Let's go back to our verse. Let's jump down a little bit. There we have one verse. Psalm 139 verse 13 and 14 says this. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
Do you know that God is wonderful? Do you know that he's created you to be wonderful? Can you receive that today? Some of us have, might have trouble with that. Oh, I, I know the place where I was, where I, it was really easy for me to tell God he's wonderful. But it was not easy for me to receive the news that I was wonderful. It was a place of depression. It was a place of sadness in my life. It was a place where I, I thought God, I really thought I had a high view of God. But because I had a low view of myself, it equaled a lower view of God. Listen, if you don't see the wonder in you, you are not fully seeing the wonder in your creator. Receive that. Receive that. Because I, it took me way too long to figure that out. I thought, oh, God's so high. And then I didn't love my brother and sister. These things don't equal up. There's something wrong here. If you're not loving your brother and sister, guess what? He created them. And if you are putting them down, you're actually putting down the creator. And if you're putting yourself down, you're putting down the creator. This scripture says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He made you. And God, your works are wonderful. What works? What works? The works right here. The work's right here. The work in, that's going on in your brain. The work that's going on in your intestine. The work that's going on through the nervous system. It is that wonder that the wonderful God has made. Jeff, you're wonderful. Charles, you're wonderful. Both Kathy's. Linda, you are wonderful. How do I know that? Do I know everything about your life? No. But I know the God that made you. And his ways are too wonderful. Look back at verse 1. Psalm 139 verse 1. Let's read this together. You have searched me Lord. And you know me. You know when I sit. When I rise. You receive my thoughts. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out. My lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Do you know that God searches you? He searches you. You ever search for something, you just look everywhere, and you just, you become well acquainted with all the places where your shoes are not can't find them. My wallet is one of those things. Where is my wallet? I've become very well acquainted with where I didn't put my wallet. I want to tell you God is well acquainted with all that you are. He knows you as one who has searched every part of you. God is familiar with all your ways. All your ways. Your bad ways. Is God familiar with bad ways? Yep. But is God familiar with good ways? Yep. One of my favorite things about God. I'm telling you, this is one of my top, top things about God. Courtney, when I repent, God forgets all the bad I've ever done. And at the same time, God still remembers all the good stuff I've managed to do. Isn't that wonderful? He knows all my ways. 
And God knows your thoughts. He knows your words. He knows your words before they're words. Before they're on your tongue, he knows them. He knows them. That's how, that's how deeply he searched you. And then after saying all these things, saying, saying that, that he discerns all your, your ways and how you're, you're going and, and all these things, uh, hemming you in and before, all these wonderful things he says. Then he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. What knowledge? All of these things of God's feelings towards you. His knowledge towards you. And the more you understand God's knowledge of you, the more wonderful it is. It's too wonderful. When we consider who we are and who he is, it makes us understand he's too wonderful. When we consider what we deserve and compare it to what he's given us, it blows us away. It is clear that God is too wonderful. Psalm chapter 8 verse 3 says this, When I consider... The heavens. We talked about the heavens a little while ago. When I consider the heavens. And then it goes on. The works of the fingers. Of your fingers. Now imagine God's fingers at work. Creating the colea bird. Knitting you together. One scripture says. When I consider the heavens. Big things. When I consider the work of his fingers. Small things. Us. The moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Verse 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. Now listen. I'm drawn to a close in a moment. I want to tell you what God has placed into creation is great. And it's amazing. Would you agree today? We have just scratched the surface. There's no way I'm equipped to really bring out all that God has done so amazingly and wonderfully just in creation. But God has done great things in creation. The carry put in making the universe, animals, plants, humanity, is too wonderful for us to comprehend. But even greater than what he has placed in creation is when God stepped into creation. And visited us. Verse 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man says prophetically. That thou visitest him. Do you understand that God doesn't just create the world. But he also visits the world. He didn't just put wonder in the creation. He who is wonderful has stepped down into creation. Amen. Who can quote Isaiah 9, 6 with me? For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful. Wonderful. Wait a second. Who are we talking about? Who is this verse about? Jesus. It's about Jesus. Can I tell you that that Jesus we're talking about in Isaiah 9-6 is that same wonderful God of creation. For through him God has created all things. He holds all things together by the word of his power. Colossians 1-15 says about this Jesus. You listen. This Jesus 
not only creates wonderfully, but he steps down into our world wonderfully. The one who is wonderful steps down into our world and visits us. Jesus is that wonderful child born. Jesus is that wonderful son given. We should not doubt this wonderful God. I know everybody's looking over here. It makes me self-conscious. Y'all, come back to me. Thank y'all. Thank you. We should not doubt this wonderful God. Have you maybe been doubting God's wonderfulness? Have you been going through your day not focused on the wonder of who he is? He placed wonder into his creation. He placed wonder into you. And the one who is wonderful has visited us. He is too wonderful. I want to tell you really quick, we're about to come pray. I want to tell you real quick that the God who is wonderful has not stopped visiting us. And if you want to visit with him, he's available right now in this altar. Why don't you come? I'm going to pray for us. Father, in Jesus' name, Father, you really are wonderful. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us.